0: morning our scripture reading is from the book of acts as peter and the apostles address those gathered in jerusalem for pentecost this is of course after the resurrection of our lord but peter standing with the eleven raised his voice and addressed them men of judea and all who live in jerusalem let this be known to you and listen to what i say you that are israelites listen to what i have to say jesus of nazareth a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know. This man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed him by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh will live in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One experience corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make make me full of gladness with your presence. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please remain seated as we sing together number 163.
1: To join with me in prayer. We offer to you, God, this worship, this moment of reflection, and this celebration of our understanding of Easter. That it continue to be shaped and transformed and then put into practice as we live these Easter days out, as we live our faith out in this world, as we discover what it means to be the people rallied around a common calling and a common moment of shared celebration where our life is changed by you. So bless all the efforts in this moment, the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts and minds, that they all would be found acceptable in your sight. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Did you ever sit and listen to a sermon that didn't do much for you? I mean, I I know you've been to other churches. And uh, and I'll be honest, I've sat through some sermons and went, "I, I don't know what that was about. It didn't stir me very much. It didn't get me very excited. I couldn't follow the flow very well. I wondered what the original intent was. Maybe the delivery wasn't good, or maybe I didn't agree with everything that was said. Sometimes sermons, so I'm told, can leave you just sort of uninspired. Maybe you sat there, and as you tried to listen and really couldn't, you discovered some people around you that We're obviously getting something out of the message, but it was oblivious to you. You wanted to get something out of it, but for whatever reason, it wasn't happening. Of course, there could be several reasons for that. Uh, I thought about that this week. What what would make a sermon not interesting? I can't even begin to think what that would really be like. But as I tried to live into that, I thought about that. I thought, well, what what if maybe there was a late night on Saturday night? Maybe you were out late and and, uh, didn't get your sleep and weren't really, you know, focused and you were a little fuzzy walking in the sanctuary. Maybe the preacher was out late last night. And he or she wasn't quite ready to be on their game uh, that hour of the day. Maybe not much real preparation had gone into the message. Maybe it had been a busy week for the preacher or maybe the preacher was just sort of lazy that week. Or maybe you weren't prepared for the sermon. Maybe you came in thinking that it was all on the preacher to hit the home run, not realizing the work that you have to do to make a sermon relevant and meaningful. Or maybe, just maybe, the sermon was never intended for you in the first place. What audacity is that? That the preacher would not have me in mind? would not be looking to entertain, speak to, inspire me on a given Sunday, which is so foreign to the way we think about things in the world today. I mean, after all, you got up today with intent. Uh, You you know, you got yourself ready, whatever that meant for you. You found your way here. You, You came in and you've sat down. And whenever we do those kinds of things in this culture, we are normally going to an event that we have high expectation that its very existence is there to serve me feeling good happy being renewed or being excited about something think about it every play you go to you have an expectation not just that the play's done well but it's done in a way that engages you when you go to sporting events you go and sit down in the stadium uh, so that you can really get into the events going on and cheer your team to think that you might have gotten all dressed up and cleaned up and got here this morning and the message was not intended for you, consider the audacity of that. Of course, there are some Sundays, I'm told, where when Amy preaches, you feel like she's looking in your windows and knows exactly what you're living. Uh, Those are uncomfortable moments, but somehow you appreciate them. Uh, But maybe it's not even about you today. I don't know. I'm not sure what sometimes makes worship and sermons connect with people, but I do know that as good Protestants, when you walk away from a worship service, one of the key things that determines whether it was good worship or not is whether you got something out of the message. I've heard that term used a lot over the years. I've I've heard it used as a way of measuring whether worship, i.e. the sermon, the message was good or not. As in, Boy, I sure got a lot out of your message today. I really get a lot out of that preacher's message. I like how that preacher preaches. Or the other way, you know, I don't get much out of his message. He's not as good as the last guy. But I'm Methodist and I'll just wait him out because he'll be gone eventually anyway. (laughs) I mean, I've heard this. Now, what I've tried to figure out, of course, over the years is what is that something that you want to get out of the message? Is it you want something that will make you laugh? Is it something that will make you have a great story to remember? Is it a, is it a moment of inspiration where your spirit sings and you just feel this chill in you? Is it, a, is it a, a something you've learned that you didn't know before that helps you in your faith journey? What is it that you're looking for? What is this something that you want to get out of it? Well, I wonder what the something was that congregation in Jerusalem had long ago in their mind when they sat down and began to listen to Peter preach. That's the scripture that Dave just read for you today, at least in part. It is part of the the sermon that Peter preached following Easter. It's the first recorded sermon that he preached following Easter. fact that Peter was preaching at all is a pretty amazing testimony when you think about it the fact that he was even being allowed being asked being expected to preach to that group of people would have said to you several things one Easter allowed him to experience forgiveness because what's the last thing we remember about Peter before this moment well yes he was one of those casual bystanders at the resurrection but more importantly we remember how he was such a failure and betrayed Jesus Uh, by denying him three times but that's forgotten that's set aside he's forgiven by the power of easter now able to stand and begin to preach the gospel it tells us that he was accepted by the very people who knew intimately what he had done how he had fallen short they accepted him not only into the group but as a leader again He was restored by the power of easter his main celebrity status was no longer about here's peter the guy who really dropped the ball but it was now about peter we need you to lead us we need you to teach us we need you to speak the gospel to us that transition had occurred in a matter of a very short period of time and he was gathered there on this day Transform, change, and compelled to proclaim the Easter truth to those who were gathered. And he was compelled. He needed to tell. When Easter begins to move inside you, when it begins to change you and change your world, there's something about that that cannot be contained. It has to be shared. It has to be lived out. And so on this day, he gathers together. And I want you to get this picture very clear in your mind. First, he is there with the other 11 disciples slash apostles. They are moving from being disciples, those who follow Jesus around, trying to figure it out, to becoming apostles. The difference? Disciples are trying to figure it out. Apostles have left behind any time of preschooling, and now they are engaged in the vocation of leading and doing the ministry for the sake of Jesus Christ. They were apostles. And they're now 11 again, remember, because in Acts 1, they'd selected a replacement to Judas. So you've got Peter and the 11 gathered around him. Then you have, outside of those 11, or maybe mingled together, about 120 other people. 120 other people made up those that they generally think were the... The, the outside followers of Jesus, the ones who were close to Him—not the eleven—but they were part of the ministry. They 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 professed Him as their Lord. They were that community of faith in the very beginning. So the Peter, the eleven, and 120, and then beyond 120, there's not an exact count. All we know is, is at the end of this sermon, 3,000 people joined the church on that day. They went from 120 to three thousand at the end of one sermon the bishop was pleased <laughs> and now we get to the crux of the matter the truth is as i have read peter's sermon over and over again throughout the years i want to tell you the fact i don't get a lot out of it. it doesn't inspire me i've read it before and i've tried to see what i've been missing and I, did any of you get chills down your bones David read the scripture well, but... Eh. I mean, I don't know. I thought for a long time, and of course I have to confess, part of my frustration with this message, <clears throat> he could get 3,000 people to join the church in one day with that sermon? And with the gems that I preach? <laughs> What's the deal? What's the deal? began to realize why this sermon meant so much to the folks who heard it in the sermon Peter very simply wants to tell them about who Jesus is and does so knowing what they needed to know to make sense of that for them he's speaking to a Jewish community they are in Jerusalem and around him those others outside of the hundred and twenty were people of the Jewish faith Who were at least interested or curious to want to know something about what this group of people were doing who professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior so Peter began to use Jewish scripture the scriptures particularly here about King David you know David Goliath you know the story right you know David the one who wrote the Psalms you know David you know the the great king and also by the way the sinner who God also reclaimed and, and and brought out of his sin back to leadership again he uses David to help them understand that Jesus was a part of their tradition. That the whole movement of God's people, God's chosen people, as Peter understood that, was laying a foundation for what would become the Savior of the world, and that is Jesus Christ. And by using the scriptures, most of which we don't fully understand when we just read this, because how many of you are steeped in your, in your David theology? right how many of you are steeped in the psalms as paul as peter uses them but that's what he's doing he's using it to say all right for you this is how it connects to you thereby he's really doing this he's giving permission to those who are listening to understand this jesus that the 120 are celebrating is really a jesus for them easter is for them it is a part of what god always intended for them Peter is making Easter make sense for his congregation. That's why they responded. They began to realize, not only is this Easter message pretty powerful, but they began to see how it might apply to them, how it would change their life, what God intended for them to be able to do to accept it and to grow in faith. And so once they were given permission, once they could make the connection to Easter, 3,000 came forward in one day. That's powerful. And as you think about that, I want you to understand that that's the challenge of this morning. Easter has its own message. What is the single message of Easter morning? He is risen. He is risen. It's resurrection. That's what it's about. You know that. You and there were a thousand people here last Sunday to hear that message. Any of you surprised by the message? Any of you come going, well, I didn't know he was going to say that. (laughs) No. Easter sermons are easy to preach in the sense that they have a single message. You don't change it. Christ the Lord is risen today. The only challenge with Easter is figuring out how to say it again in a new way. Because we didn't we say that last year? Well, yes, we did. So we try to find new ways to say it. But that's why on Easter Sunday, you let me get away with just being excited about Christ the Lord has risen today. And I am excited about it. But on Easter morning, you don't ask me an awful lot about that. That's, That's where we are on Easter morning. Easter morning, we are standing around the tomb dancing. And that's good enough. We want to dance the resurrection dance. That's all good. But the challenge on the second Sunday of Easter, which is when Peter's preaching, and what it is today, goes further. Last Sunday he is risen, this Sunday so what? How does it connect to me? Last week you can sing the Hallelujah Chorus, but this Sunday you want to know, yeah, but what am I supposed to be doing now with this? Because it's different. It feels a little bit different, doesn't it? I mean, it's a good congregation, but it's not 500 at the 11 o'clock service. The Easter lilies are starting to wilt a bit. So Amy was plucking off the the lilies, uh, you know, that weren't quite so good before the service began. Things are different. Did you find parking easier today? I mean, things are different about today. And yet you came back to figure out, so what? What are we supposed to do now that we've danced the dance around the tomb? Well, when Peter was asked that question by his congregation on that Sunday long ago, he told him this very simple message. What do we do now, they asked, and he said this. Repent, be baptized, and join the movement. Repent. Allow Easter to change you. Now repentance is a whole other series of sermons we could give. But whether or not you see repentance as as asking God to forgive you for the sins and wrongs of your life, or whether you see repentance as using the talents and gifts that you've had previously, and now making sure they are serving God fully, however you understand that, Repentance is about change. It's about intentionally moving towards serving God and your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with all you have and all you do all the time. So do that. Be baptized. Now, of course, then, most of them weren't baptized. In this room, I'm going to guess most of you are baptized. In fact, I know most of you are baptized. So you don't have to get baptized, but as the baptized children of God, we know that every Sunday is a chance to do what? What? remember our baptism To reclaim it to feel the waters of grace flow over us and to recommit to be the baptized in the world Which is a sign and symbol being somewhat different because we are God's children intentionally set on a mission The baptism mission we were sent on And join the movement He asked them to join the movement. He said if you want to experience the fullness of Easter You can come forward in this moment of worship and accept Christ, and that's cool. But what you really need to do if you want to grow in Easter joy is you've got to be part of the movement. See, in those days it wasn't about joining the institution. It was beginning to be a part of a movement set loose in the world to touch as many lives for the sake of Jesus Christ and to create the kingdom of God in every place and to every person and every culture. You could begin to do that as God would lead you that's what it meant then. it meant this way in the scriptures a little bit after where David's reading it says this and they began to devote themselves to the teaching to the study of scripture to the breaking of bread and to the prayers So they moved out of experiencing Easter and coming forward, making sense for them and accepting it, to now on this second Sunday. So what? Let Easter reign in where you live. Today, today, this Sunday, for those of us who come back after the Easter dance are now trying to figure out how to live an Easter life. And here's the simple message of today. Easter is not found in the dance around the tomb. Easter is found in the way and we live out our faith of the resurrected Jesus Christ in the day-to-day experience of our lives, in the fellowship of the faith that we join with, that inspires us and confirms us and strengthens us, and that we partner with to change the world for Christ's sake. Today is a day around deciding how are we going to live it out now, And Peter told the congregation back then, there is no one fast answer I can tell you. What I can tell you is how you do that is you repent, you live out your baptism, and you become a part of the movement, and you grow in an Easter faith. That's what today is about. That's what today is celebrating. And I want to tell you, I spent a lot of time this week trying to figure out how Peter would say to this congregation how to make Easter make sense... For you what would he tell you about how you now live this Easter out I mean right here right now in this community at this time with this group of people and then it dawned on me there is a difference between Peter's sermon and this one that was the first post Easter sermon They never heard it before. They never heard about Easter until Peter told them. They never had a chance to live into it. So it was all brand new. You've heard of Easter, haven't you? And last Sunday wasn't your first shot, was it? Most of you have been living it for a while. Or at least you've been exposed to the story for quite a while. And you've known the message. And I realize the examples of how to live it out and what to do with this message are right in the midst of you. It's the experience of the movement today of the church, where not as an institution, but as believers who are gathered together, we are allowing our lives to be shaped by this calling of Jesus Christ. And so my mind shifted from trying to think about how to explain it to you to show you and to tell you about the images of resurrected life being lived out daily. So I'm going to ask you to do this right now. In all seriousness, and I know we're always uncomfortable about doing this, turn around and look at the people in your immediate area. Just do it right now. They're looking at you too. It's okay. you want to see what Easter looks like you just saw? You take a look at the lives of the people around you. Those people are the ones who are embodying what it is to live Easter out today. I sat around this past week and thought of so many of you who are living out your Easter Easter life. I thought about Jay and Joyce Blind. Jay, who just continues to try to lead the men's ministry. I mean, he does everything he can to make a... A vital ministry for you men in this church and he just doesn't stop i mean i don't know how to stop jay blind and i don't want to stop him but he's just faithful and i thought about joyce blind who just continues to be a faithful servant every week making sure the food that you provide for us is able to be packaged and put together so that those who come to us to eat will have a basket or a, a box of food to receive she is so faithful in that ministry What's Easter living look like? It looks like Joyce Blind to me. It looks like Jay Blind to me. I mean, it's that simple. You begin looking around, you discover there are these people whose lives have changed. They're not doing the same thing today they used to do, because Easter has changed them. I think about Anita Dempster, and Sharon sheryl and for Cindy Knox, who, only three of the women, and that, you know, you always leave people out, but I just thought of them who have been so captured by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they're now committed to serve in the apartments of Bridgewater and in the schools in the community to mentor and care for children who are not theirs, to teach them, to nurture them, and to provide a safe and holy environment for them. That's Easter. Do you understand what I'm saying? In this room, all around, I could go on and on. And I have a long list. In fact, it's so long, I tried to go through it all at the first service. And Amy wisely said, stop doing that, Rick. I listened to Amy Naomi. She's a good partner. But I got a lot of names here. And I'm not going to go through any more. I just want you to understand what I'm saying. Do you hear me? You are my example of living out Easter. In all of its glorious imperfection. Isn't that the greatest thing of all? Jesus does not expect perfection. The resurrection says, All you imperfect, flawed people, come on board. It's a movement. And we're going to change the world by the efforts of people like you. And that's what Easter is. And that's what Easter opportunity is for us today. They came forward 3,000. And it wasn't on that day they signed the membership list. It was on that day they began to devote themselves to the teaching and the preaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And that became their life. And that life became the life for the world. People dance around Easter like it's a big deal, and it is. I told you that last week. But the best dance of all the most exciting dance of Easter doesn't happen on Easter morning. It happens on the second Sunday of Easter and the third and the fourth and the Tuesdays and the Thursdays and every day that flows out from that when you become the Easter people, figuring out in your own way, in your own style, how you will live this journey out. A colleague of mine said it this way, Coming out of Easter, he saw her in the congregation, began to give voice to her Easter song when she found her life, come to life in a ministry that met both who she was and the joy of the Lord she was coming to know. I look in this room and I see so many of you doing that. And I look forward to see so many opportunities for us to move forward and do that. You know that we're doing a lot in the church. I mean, just month alone, and then going into June, we've got all these opportunities of study and reflection and mission. We're going to be going on mission trips. You've got people going to the Adult Righteous Mission. You've got people serving in vacation Bible school. I mean, you've got all kinds of places and opportunity to learn, study, and grow. And why do we do that? To sustain the institution, to give you something to do? No. To let the Easter people breathe and live and grow. To devote yourselves to the teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread and the prayers. Peter's sermon did work because it moved people to be Easter people long after the sermon was forgotten. I just wanted to stand up here this morning and tell you thank you. Because I don't have to be as good as Peter. I've got people around me who are leaving Easter joy out, Easter truth, and Easter hope. And that is the good news for today. And I thank you for what all of you are doing and what we will all do together
0: in the resurrection of our Christ. Amen.